Bibles with me, please. Um, I'll tell you where here as soon as I figure it out. I want to talk to you this morning. We've got kind of a one-word title to this. Um, It's called Transformed. So I've been... um, We're getting ready for our overseers retreat. Um, which, Lord willing, will be later on this week into next weekend. We have, uh, as a group, we're reading together um, Rod Dreher's book, Strange New World, which is out on the table, and we've encouraged you to read it uh, if you haven't. Um, Dreher wrote a larger book that um, the smaller book is drawn from, the larger book is called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And uh, I started reading the bigger book here a few days ago, and there were so many things in it that caused me to think about things going on in the world right now um, and in the church at large, that I thought I would share some of these things um, with you. Whenever um, trying to think how to uh, put this together here, I don't have this part in my notes, but um, over history there have been what we would refer to as maybe sea changes, paradigm shifts. You know, paradigm was the big word a few years ago. So uh, everybody was talking about paradigms. So, um, and it wasn't 20 cents. It was, you know, um, whenever whenever there's big changes, there's turmoil involved in it. Sometimes, sometimes the turmoil is caused to create the change. Sometimes the turmoil comes because of the change. Sometimes turmoil is caused to create the change which causes more turmoil. Um, we see this in a, in, a, in a microcosm in our lives where we, we can make a mistake that creates turmoil. We can make a change, not necessarily a bad change, but we can make a change that causes turmoil. Um, that's not saying the Lord can't give us peace in that, but anybody who's moved knows what that turmoil is like. When you... Go to find something that you you're sure you have, but you don't know where it is anymore. Uh, we, I I don't remember, Marlene. How many years ago did we remodel that little closet? What? It's only been two years. Oh, good. I feel so much better. Because for years we had a trash can in there. You do the same thing. 
And, you know, I'd go to, there's Kleenex, I'd blow my nose, and I'd step around the door, and I'd throw it in the trash can. Well, we remodeled that closet, and we moved the trash can. So I'd blow my nose, and where's that trash can? Oh, yeah, we put it over there. So, you know, that, that's no big deal, is it? I mean, it's actually, it's actually kind of funny, but... That turmoil that comes, and in even in the good things, that in that turmoil we need something that's stable and solid. The Lord God Almighty says, "I am the Lord thy God; I change not." James says of him, "There is no very." The old King James says. Of what James wrote, I get confused here, says there is no variableness or shadow of turning. Isn't that interesting? There aren't shades to God. He doesn't get, he's not dark and light. All right, having said all that, it's kind of an introduction to what's going on around us. Let me read to you several things, several scriptures here. Uh, firstly, Romans chapter 12. We're going to go into, this is kind of topical today, so or we're going to get back into our reading along, but um, I wanted to take this opportunity to, to share a couple things with you. Um, Romans chapter 12, we're going to read just a couple verses here. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So, we look at we, we've talked about those two verses, and we're, they're probably well known to us. And you know, don't be conformed, be transformed. What's going on? But what we need to understand is that Paul, uh, these this was a letter, and Paul was writing it, and there weren't he didn't write verses and chapters. You know, we, we put that in there years and years later, so we could refer to things. So Paul says, "I appeal to you, therefore," and he's. That therefore refers to things that came earlier. Look at verse 33 of chapter 11. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. In other words, that's past our understanding. Another place that actually says that. It's past our understanding. We're not going to grasp it all. He says in verse 34, For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? In other words, who's, who's given God advice? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And then he goes on, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, This God who knows all things and who is above all things and to whom none of us can give anything because he's complete in in himself. And we'll talk more about that in just a second. Because of all that, we're to be transformed, changed by him, not squeezed, as one translator 
put it, not squeezed into the world's mold. You know, I asked myself, I said, does Christianity affect the world or does the world affect Christianity? In the end, what changes? You know, every compromise is a compromise. That's profound, isn't it? Okay. So when we meet with somebody else and we say, well, let's, you know, let's meet at 6. I can't. Let's meet at 7. No, I can't. Well, let, let's meet at 6.30. That means you didn't get to meet at 6 and they didn't get to meet at 7 and you're meeting at 6.30 and that's supposed to be good. And that can be good unless you've got God's absolute, final, authoritative truth and you encounter a lie and you whittle away at the truth so that the lie can meet it. Be not conformed. So again, we ask ourselves, does Christianity affect the world or does the world affect Christianity? In the end, what changes? Is compromise acceptable in dealing with biblical truth? Now, there are probably, and I, I just got to give the disclaimer. So, so there are things that we don't know. There are things we don't understand. There are other things that are pretty obvious to us. In those obvious areas, we don't compromise. We cannot compromise. That's the truth. That's this thing. So I don't. I, I, and then, and in some of those things, some of the things we don't understand are obvious commands. You say, well, I don't understand them. I can't do them. Yes, you can do them even if you don't understand them. You're not going to understand them because God's ways are above you. He's inscrutable. You're not going to figure him out. So you just, you just do it. You just shut up and do it. How's that for preaching? You know, give us a motivation. Now. Just shut up and do it. Okay? <laughs> and then, of course, we know and part of that disclaimer is we know there's other things that, that aren't really that important. Um, I, got, I, I'm not sure, I got so much here, I'm not sure how much of this to all share, but I, I, I sat with a fellow a couple of weeks ago and, we were, and it, it, somehow it came up um, about baptism. Folks, I have to be careful every place I go now. I'm in the constant, I, I have the constant opportunity to make enemies. <laughs> so... <laughs> And one of the reasons is because I'm older than most everybody. So I sat around a, uh, with a table of, of preachers and they were talking about baptism and this and that and other thing. And, you know, should it be three times forward, three times backwards? Should it be Trinitarian in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit? Don't laugh. There is a denomination that baptizes people um, three times uh, forwards. So we... And they were they were going all this, you know. Is it Trinitarian? Do you do it once or do you do it three times? Do you do it in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Just do it in Jesus' name. And they were discussing all this, and, and and pretty much the consensus was, well, as long as it's a demonstration of their faith, it doesn't really matter. Except for the one guy, he said, well, if they've not been immersed, it's not baptism. Oh, well, okay. That's, I didn't argue with him. I just kept my mouth shut. But I I put it. I put a check mark next to his name <laughs> in my head. Don't ask me his name. I've forgotten it. But it, I'm sure it'll come back to me if I need it. So, uh, 
<laughs> Folks, that's, you know, that's not important. And I think I've told you this story. I know I've told, I can't remember if I told to everybody or not, but I've, I, I told of trying to baptize a fellow in a nursing home. Did I tell you that story in here? And, hmm? It was in Sunday school? All right. So it, this was years ago. It was in the, it was in the nursing home, and the, and the old fellow wanted to be baptized, and he'd never been immersed. And I said, okay, so they, the nursing home was great. They have this crane that looks kind of like uh, a very shiny engine hoist. Okay. That's, that's what it reminded me of. You know, and and they, they put this strap on this guy, and they lowered him into the hot tub. But they didn't lower him enough, and I couldn't immerse him. When I put his head down, his feet would come up. And when I put his feet down, his head would come up. Um, this was also when I baptized my necktie. This is back in the days I wore a necktie. And I, I remember doing this teeter-totter baptism thing two or three times when I finally said, that's good enough, Lord. <laughs> and, we, and we cranked the poor guy you know, up out of the thing. It's, does it matter that his head and his feet weren't in at the same time? Did to my acquaintance. And I shared the story there as kind of a way of saying, don't be a dummy. Here's a little story, okay? So that's... I, I, I was really busy yesterday. I may be tired, so I may be a little bit edgy. So... Just get over it. <laughs> All right. Colossians chapter 2. Let's go on. Let's look at some more New Testament scriptures here. Um, this is going somewhere. Oh, Lord, I pray it's going somewhere. That's... Colossians chapter 2. Listen to these wonderful verses beginning with verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I've had for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love listen to this to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge you know, sometimes Paul irritates me because he never uses periods. And by the way, Paul didn't use periods. Other people put that in there. But he just, Paul has these run-on sentences. Listen to this again. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all, all, the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and and knowledge. Where is all wisdom and knowledge? In Christ. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. That's interesting. So, they don't have to be true to be plausible. Well, I'll let you look that up later. For though I am absent in the body... Yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in what? Thanksgiving. 
Now, once again, uh, it's kind of a side sermon, and we're, <laughs> we're almost in November where everybody talks about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is to be the lifestyle of a believer. The, our, our thoughts are to be constantly on what he has already done for us. And um, we get... Um, we get accustomed to the benefits of salvation and we don't stop to think that we don't deserve any of them. We don't deserve, we, we don't deserve to be able to pray to God Almighty. I, I, that's a side, I, got, I can't go on on that. Look at verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. I was looking at a... Um, uh, about the only TV I look at anymore are these shows in Alaska. And I was looking at this show where this guy put down a snare. And um, you, you know what I'm talking about? He, 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 he made a place, he found a place where the animals walked and then he kind of hedged it in so the animal would have to walk there. And then he put this wire through there and put a loop in it. And, it, and he's, I, I, I don't know, for some reason I got up and I walked away. I, I don't know what I was doing. But as I walked away, I heard him say, well, the animal will walk here. This is just his size. His head will go through, but not his shoulders. And he'll be trapped before he knows it. And I thought, whoa. And then I said to myself, Lord, help me. That I don't get trapped before I know it. Paul is telling us, Paul is giving us understanding here and wisdom so that we won't be trapped. Now, that, that animal is going to go that way, and I, I, I know we can stretch this allegory too thin, but the animal is going to go that way. His, his captor was kind of hedging him in to go, to, to go that way. And the, 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 the wisdom for us in this is that if we focus on these other things, we won't go the way where we'll get trapped. And that's why he said in, in, in Jesus Christ is all wisdom and knowledge. Let me back up and read that again. He says, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Now we'll get, get back down. See that no one takes you captive, this is verse 8, by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the word or elementary principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled, or another translation is made complete, in him who is the head of all rule and authority. All rule, all law, all precepts, all real principles are his. He is the head of all authority and we are complete. Believers are complete or filled, made full, made complete, made perfect. That's what that word is translated in other places. In him. Not out here. In him. And the more we know about him and know about his riches and, and his grace and his goodness and the, and the mystery that's him. It's a, it's a mystery, something to be um, 
uh, understood, uh, found, um, uh, discovered. The more we get into that mystery, the more we're thankful. And our focus gets more and more on Him. All right. So, salvation is not some theo- theo- uh, theoretical concept. It is a reality based on the very real life of Christ and His sacrifice and His resurrection, and it changes people. And then He goes on in verses eight through ten to give us what the difference, the the contrast, and the difference from worldly thought to thoughts that Jesus will bring us, where our mind goes if we're in if we're in Christ. Galatians chapter 5. Let's look at this again. If you haven't figured it out, we're kind of talking about what we think about. I didn't want to call it that because there's, there's so much more about thinking that I can't talk about today. We'll talk about some other time. Galatians chapter 5, again, there's continuity here. I'm going to jump into verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So we, he sets up right here, he sets up this contrast between the flesh and the spirit. And, and for our purposes today, we're, we're understanding that we're going to lump all that in with this world. So this, these vain philosophies that Paul said earlier would, can take us captive. He said, I don't want you to become captive to these things. The antidote to being captive to these things is to keep your focus on Jesus Christ and, and keep, discovering the mystery of all of his riches and glory because, because all wisdom and knowledge comes from him. So if we keep focused on Jesus Christ, we won't be snared and entrapped by this stuff. And here he goes on to talk about how there's this contrast, there's this opposition, there's conflict. In verse 17 is probably a better word. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, in verse 18, you, will, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are, the, are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. <laughs> I love those clauses. You know, um, it's, it's like your job description. You know, this is your, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and it gets down to that final line is, and whatever else we may ask you to do, basically. So he goes through, and he uses all this stuff. And then, and you know, when we look at this, we, we always want to zero in on what? Uh, the drunkenness and orgies and you know that we, we don't talk about envy very much. I don't talk about. It. As a matter of fact, most of us don't have a good idea what envy is. 
Most of us don't, don't know what covetousness is. And that God says covetousness is like idolatry. In other words, covetousness is false, false worship. It's interesting, the Israelites got away with all kinds of stuff. But they couldn't get away with idolatry. They didn't get away with any of it, of course, but when they went to idolatry, God says, that's it. So idolatry, sorcery, enmity. What do you think, folks? Are, is there political enmity right now? Strife? jealousy rivalries you know I I, I don't know how the ladies work Um, that's a general statement but it's going to be more specific here in just a second so just hang on but I know how guys work almost every guy is a rival to every other guy it's almost like the jungle, you know, the, 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 the head lion is going to get the ladies. And, I, and even though we don't do that here, you know, we're, we're not having fist fights out in the parking lot, usually. So uh, <clears throat> there is something of a remnant of that. So almost every guy is a rival to almost every other guy. And it's so funny, we laugh at it, you know. So <clears throat> I'm trying to think. There was, there was years ago, there was a Monty Python skit. I think it was The Five Yorkshiremen. Some of you are laughing, you've seen it. And one guy says, we were so poor, you know, we didn't have shoes. And it ended up, the guy saying, you know, we were so poor, we didn't have feet. <laughs> he said, we lived in a hole in the ground. And uh, my dad used to wake us up to go to work before we even went to bed. And they went around. Each one of them went around telling how poor they were. Now that they were all affluent, they're all sitting in this circle, you know, in their nice clothes, smoking cigars, like they're at some club, and they're talking about how poor it was. And, and, and none of them could admit that the other guy was poorer than them, so they all had to be, until they ended up in absurdity. And, I, I, and if, if we're not careful, we'll say to ourselves, you know, other people shouldn't do that. <laughs> Guess what? You're the other people. So am I. All right? So um, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I'm having trouble with this. I'll get to there in a second. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. And those who belong to to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you live by the Spirit, let us also keep step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. (laughs) 
Paul must have been bugged by it. He couldn't help but go back to some of the things he already said when he got to the end. So he contrasts here this the way the world thinks with, with what the Spirit produces. And by the way, it's not fruits of the Spirit. It's fruit of the Spirit. He, so he, he contrasts the way the world thinks with what the Holy Spirit produces. And I, 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 I'm going back kind of to my, con, to my concept here. We'll touch on it again. When these, when these two things meet, who affects the other? Where's the compromise? When this, when this rivalry and sorcery and strife and jealousy meets love, joy, patience, kindness, peace, which one affects the other? James chapter 3. Where's James? Let's see. It's here. There it is. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good contact, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Man. Is that how the world functions? That, that the guy who seems to be running things I, I again I've got to find somehow it keeps coming up into my head here but never when I can do anything about it I've got to find my article about the guy they chose to be the leader because he had limited intelligence and wonderful hair <laughs> who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Usually these people are chosen because they're the ones who are shouting the loudest, I'm the smartest. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder disorder and every vile practice. Listen to that. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder. He, He doesn't say there might be. He says what? There will be disorder and every vile practice. Folks, one of the errors that Christianity has is that we focus on the superficial things. We're worried, you know, maybe about uh, what, a, what a person eats and drinks. Say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about smoking and drinking. I, I, drunkenness was mentioned, wasn't it? So we're not to be drunk. But we've got... We've got church systems out here, and I just chose those things that, that focus on some of that stuff that is superficial rather than this. Listen, listen, if there is selfish ambition and jealousy, there will be disorder and every vile practice. 
We got people who get into leadership positions in churches and in, de- in denominations because they promote themselves. And they denigrate others. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. (laughs) Sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now again, think with me folks, there's a continuity here. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not, you, and do not have, so you murder. You covet and can't obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You, do not ask. you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. So, I'm not going to read on the rest of that, but that, that whole thing we talk about, you know, we talk about when we talk about prayer and we zero in on that, that's, that's only part of what was going on beforehand where the Apostle Paul is identifying the way we ought to think. And he's trying to get us to see the difference between the worldly and godly. And, and, or excuse me, not the Apostle Paul, James. And, but the Apostle Paul talked about it also and said that those things are going to actually be in conflict. Conflict and the works of the flesh are this, and the works of the spirit are these. So we, we've got this conflict going on out here, and he says that it's because we give ourselves over or we're controlled by that worldly thing that that's where these these quarrels and fights come from, and those are the things that Paul said were bad. Now I, I, I've got to I've got to scoot on here, but there's there's real wisdom. So he says there's false wisdom and there's real wisdom. And that's, and that's kind of the way that, that is. And the false wisdom leads on to all these quarrels and fights and unanswered prayers in chapter 4. Christianity should communicate and confirm a culture that represents what we know of God from the Bible. So that when our culture meets the worldly culture, our culture stands secure and clean and pure. Now the only way that there can be a culture is if there, it, that's in the people who are part of it. A culture is a shared identity based upon a shared understanding. We understand this is what God's like. This is, we understand this is what God wants us to be like. This, we understand this is what Jesus did. And, you know, without, I can't go into all of that. There's just too much of it to, it's a huge thing. It's too much, but to articulate in detail, but it affects every area, or at least it should, of our life. So we, we come into submission to, to Father God through the Son, Jesus Christ, and we say, He's my Lord because He purchased me, and I'm not worthy to be there. I'm, I'm like that prodigal. I'm not worthy to be there. But He, He received me, and He, He gave me what I never had before. Different than the prodigal. Because I never before had forgiveness of sins and the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. Never had that. He gave me something I never had and never could get. Does, does, that, make, does that little theological point make some sense? 
So I want to go back to God and get back what I got. No, I want to go back to God. (laughs) I want to to go return to Him and repent so that He can give me what I could never get, never had and could never get. And that's the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of my sins because Christ took the punishment for my sin. So that, that, that's, the, that's the culture, and, and it's a huge thing, and it's too big to be articulated in detail, but it, it should affect every area of our life, where we go every day, how we dress, how we vote, how we spend our money, all, all, all of those things, the decisions that we make. What happens when we get angry? How do we deal with when we get angry? Well, angry is not a good thing here. You know, it's, it, it's, it's portrayed in a negative light. So we have to deal with it. So how are we going to do that? Well, the world just gets angrier. Blame somebody else. What if we're a believer? Well, there's another way to do that. We say, Father, I'm sorry I got angry. I was being selfish. There's usually a cause to our anger, by the way. I was being selfish or whatever, and, and I need, and then we go to apologize to the person and say, I'm sorry. I was unkind to you and I was, and so forth. I can't go into all those details, but we, we deal with it in a different way than the world deals with it. And when those cultures collide, when they bump into each other, we're not supposed to take on their attitudes because we are complete. We are finished in Jesus Christ. That's what Colossians tells us. We, there, there is no more to add. We don't need to take any of their stuff. Now, part of that culture is that we have an agreed main goal that is shared. And that is to glorify our Savior, and it's our goal to help one another toward that same goal. A lot of, I use the word goal in there a lot of times. I'm sorry. I, I can do you a, draw, a diagram. It goes like this. So we got a goal here, and then it goes over there, and then it comes back here again. Okay? Everybody get that? So that's, that's, that's our, our, our main goal is to glorify the Lord and we're to help one another toward that. That's our agreed goal. So if we see somebody stumble, uh, um, again, part of this is in the book of Galatians. It went on from where if we see somebody, if we're, we're to restore them. If we, see, if we see somebody that's not doing right, we're, we're to challenge them. In some, in some loving, we're to speak the truth in love. Not pride or an arrogance. So by the way, when we restore somebody, we're not to restore them because we think we're good. Because the Bible says, if we think we stand, we're in danger of what? Falling. Take heed, let you fall when you think you are standing. And we, we talked about pride and arrogance and all I, I can't go into all that. We're to help one another toward that goal in whatever way. So, whatever, the, whatever this world does, whatever this world thinks, here's the solidity of it. My main goal remains the same. It doesn't matter what they do. A man is not a woman because they say they're a woman. <laughs> and we shared this a few weeks ago. What was the, what was the question Abraham Lincoln asked? Um, how many legs does a dog have if you count his tail as a leg? And the answer is four, because even if you count his tail as a leg, it's still not a leg, it's a tail. There is an unshaking reality. And the reason you can see culture so angry, 
there's just so much to this. I, I wish I understood it all. There's, the reason you see culture so angry is because they're fighting an unwinnable fight. They don't necessarily know it. I, I, it hasn't been articulated. I think it's interesting that when the, when the Lord appears to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, He says something to him like this, Don't you know it's hard for you to kick against the goads? Not goats, but goads. That's a pointy stick that they would use to move the animals. They would poke at them. And so apparently the, the, the impression you get from that is the Lord's been trying to get Paul to go away. And the more the Lord pushes, the more Paul says, no. And when the Lord finally appears to him, the first words out of his mouth, he calls him Lord. What's that mean? That's, that's a term of submission. He just breaks right on the spot. The world may be heading that way. I don't know, not all of it. But some of these angry people... You know, the, the world out here has no wit. They're cunning. But they're not funny. I hope that makes some sense. You can... You can ponder that. All right, so our main goal remains the same. And, and you and I are part of that mission. So it's part of my mission to help you glorify the Lord, and it's part of your mission to help one another and to help me glorify the Lord. So, and, and, we're, and we accomplish that by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, not through these worldly means. You know, I don't need the world's philosophy. I, I'm, I'm grateful there are people thinking about things that I haven't got a chance to think about, and I may get an opportunity, if I have an opportunity, I'll, I'll maybe read some of that, and maybe I'll learn something. But all knowledge comes from God. It's in Jesus Christ. If I get any wisdom, it didn't come from Him, it came from Jesus Christ. So you say, preacher, what do you think the world's going to do? Oh my goodness. They're going to go crazier and crazier. Say, what's that look like? I have no idea. Every time I think I've got it figured out, they do something crazier than I ever thought of. And I'm kind of irritated by that. I think, why can't I get ahead of them? And then I thought, well, I don't want to get ahead of them. (laughs) That's the wrong goal. I don't even want to be thinking like that. Say, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to be not conformed. How you be not conformed? Be transformed. You let Him work in your heart and your mind. Let Him remind you every day that He's the one that, who died on the cross for you, who redeemed you, who bought you, who gave you His righteousness. You did nothing to deserve it. He did it all. And, and when you ponder all of those mysteries and that everything is in Him, He's that... He's that pearl of great price that you can get rid of everything in order to have it. And when well, all those all those things are in Him, your life will be filled with thanksgiving. And that's where now think with me, folks. Go full circle with this. That's where the wisdom comes in. 
The wisdom comes from knowing that I don't do it. God does it. Everything's found in Him. And I've got peace in Him. And all those things, the love, joy, peace, patience, all of that stuff comes from Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, have Your way with us. One way or another, we will be confronted with this world in the next days or two, next days or hours, where we have an opportunity to help us stand strong. Maybe we don't even have to say anything. Maybe we just have to be who we are in you. Maybe being who we are in you will require that we say something. Maybe being who we are in you will require us to love somebody who's unlovable. If so, you'll help us. You'll help us in all of these areas. Further, Lord, I pray that there'll be no fear about this world system. Because greater in he that's in us than he that's in the world. And when all of that system and all this philosophy is gone, we'll be able to bow a knee to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who changes not. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.